Blog Talk Radio. Somebody out there got a dream. Somebody out there got a dream. Yeah. No, you got one. No, you got one. Uh, uh, Like haters, because uh, you know, I think I said before, I'm not even a big 
Uh, Miami Heat fan, per se. I'm not a big LeBron James fan. Uh, Pistons and Lakers all day. But one thing that I do despise is people that uh, choose to dislike somebody uh, just on TP, like a lot of people are with uh, LeBron James. So I hope that he wins championships every year, that the Pistons and Lakers don't win it uh, every year, that, that there's still people hating LeBron, uh, Aloysius James. So, so I was pretty happy about it. <laughs> Did you win any money or anything from the, uh, Bro, I the finals? I don't gamble at all, first of all, and especially not on sports. So uh, I definitely don't put my money on things I can't control. <laughs> so <laughs> I was gonna say, how does that work? I don't gamble at all, especially on sports. I mean, there, now, there should be I mean, if I were to I gamble, can... you know, I mean, I might, if it was something I can control, like a card game, right, if I had right. to gamble, it would be on some kind of you know, casino game, but I don't even do that it's because I just right. I, I'm too adverse to losing money, so I don't, I don't like that. So yeah, but um, no, nah, I definitely don't bet on sports when I can't control uh, what's going on with it. But you know, I, I was definitely cheering for the Heat, happy for them. It got kind of got kind of sticky there for a minute. Didn't know what was going to happen, but uh, Game Six, you know, pretty much, you know, people are. are understating it, but Ray Allen, I think, really saved LeBron James' legacy. I think um, LeBron really owes something to Ray Allen for hitting that final look, shot to tie look, the game. And, and, and Chris Bosh, because that was an offensive rebound and a, and a very a very good uh, pass. So, we, you know, we, 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 have to, we have to pull for Chris Bosh, man, because we, he may not be with the Heat next year. <laughs> yeah, this might be go. his last ring, right? This might be his yeah, last ring like, for a minute, if, you know, depending on how things go. I don't know if his contract is up. I think his contract. I mean, his option is next year, so I think they could. Well, unless they trade him, they could always trade him. I guess so. Yeah. Right. But um. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, man. Ray yeah, Allen so had. Okay, I was gonna oh, say, now we now we have the NBA draft coming up to look forward to actually tomorrow night. So that's that's the next thing, man. I'm looking for looking forward to hopefully the Pistons get Trey Burke, man. Bring bring the bring the guy home, and uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this, to this draft like I haven't been in a really long time. You know, and that's funny. I, I guess it makes sense for you because Michigan finally had a good year. I mean, a first, not say finally, but a first time in a long time. And they got a um, – how many guys are coming out? At least two, I know. Two. Um, but, yeah, we got two two players, yeah, two players that, that entered that will likely be drafted. So that's uh, – it's been it's been a really long time. I think it was like 2002 or so last time we had a uh, – I, I think it was somebody that's picked in the first two rounds. I can't remember if it was a lottery pick or somebody in the first two rounds. So it's, it's kind of big for us. You know, there's only two rounds in the draft, right? Right, right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Got so, yeah. you. Know, some, well, some people, some people get picked up; they get signed after, you know, post draft. But yeah. Got you, got you. All right, cool. So yeah, so you know, I, I, I wish uh, Trey Burke the best, and I don't really like, you know, I don't really uh, follow college basketball, but so much, so I don't really know a lot of the, the young guys. There's, I know this. The the two top players they're talking about are both uh, injured, so you know it's kind of like uh, what, Noel, Noel, Norlands, or mm. Nor- Norlands, no, Noel, yeah. and uh, the dude Lynn from University of Maryland. They're both kind of the top prospects right now. And they're both in it. Well, I don't know if Lynn is hurt right now. I know he was hurt, so I'm not sure what the status is with him. If he's still hurt, but uh, yeah, both of them have suspect conditions. But we'll see what happens, man. People were talking about today is the 10 year anniversary of the 2003 draft that saw. Uh, LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony, uh, looks like I think it was Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade all got drafted in that right. draft. And Darko, and Darko Milicic. You know, we can't forget much, the number two uh, overall pick, our... right. <laughs> can't forget the number two overall pick, Darko. That was uh, right. Your team picked him, didn't they? 
Yeah, yeah, you know, I had, to, I had to throw that in there before you tried to uh, before you tried to shank me in the side with some type of joke. So I went ahead and got that out. Yes, we did. And at the time, you know, anyway. What, what if Carmelo had been a Detroit Piston all this time, man? Well, one happen. thing that I will say, and you know, we won't we won't talk about sports too much because a lot of the <laughs> ladies that listen always write in and they're like, why are you all talking about sports? But what I will say is that uh, that. Um, the Pistons, you know, if you look at those at those at those teams that drafted, uh, the Pistons uh, got a championship in that you know in the ten years. The Heat got a championship. Uh, the Cavaliers have not, and neither have the um, neither have the Toronto uh, Raptors, who picked up you know the other two teams, or and neither has Denver. So you know, part of it you, you like to say, what if they had Melo? But you know, we actually did get a championship out of it. And uh, and so you know, I'll take that. Those aren't easy to come by. Okay, I, whatever way, well, you know that that works for you. Works for me. <laughs> Look, I, I, I thought this thing for a long time. Right. But I really have. I'm not going to debate it. I mean, that's your team, so y'all got a ring. That's really all that matters. You're right. So you got a ring. Doesn't matter who's on the team, really, as long as you get the ring. So yeah, and, you so. know, and somebody like Carmelo could have thrown off the chemistry. You never know. So it's just yeah. that's one of those things. And I'll take the ring. Only been out the first round one time, so I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, there you go. Once again, so, another right. sound argument from Brian Hussein Johnson. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, people find out your real middle name is Loisius. Right, right. Thinks it's Hussein. Right. Anyway, but I want to ask you about. I know you're you're a tech guy, and you were on. Um, I know you. I think it was you who told me about um, the Vine app. And I want to bring it up because they were talking about it on today, uh, the uh, Today Show after they were talking about some, you know, the big story on the Today Show today. We're going to talk about that a little later. Right. <laughs> but uh, they were talking about the apps, the Vine and the Instagram. I think you talking about the Vine app. And, you know, Vine, is the, for those who don't know, it's an app, a video app, a social network where you can shoot uh, six-second videos. And then uh, Instagram, which was a photo app, now recently last week launched their video version. They have a video side as well now, so you can – I uh, do 15-second videos on Instagram. Um, are you even on Instagram, and, and and have you been using Vine, and what are you thinking about, you know, when you're looking at these two options now um, going forward, what do you think is going to be something you can see yourself using? Well, I do. I actually still use Vine. Vine is actually a seven-second a seven uh, clip. And, um, <clears throat> you know, but and I use Instagram. I use them both sparingly, so... Uh, you know, I think I think the the benefit right now is that Instagram has a much larger viewership, um, and 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 so you know it it it's, uh, it definitely has that going forward. A longer uh, video uh, time actually helps too. But the very the interesting thing I think I, I personally think that there's a market for both, and I say that because when people are constrained to you know seven seconds, you'd be surprised at how innovative and creative they get. And um, and you know, 15 seconds is is a pretty long video. Uh, so I think that you know, there's still going to be a place a place for both. Um, the funny thing though is that I I have not seen that option on my Instagram uh, on my Instagram app. I looked for it, I just haven't seen it. So maybe I'm not getting the updates now. I, yeah, I know, well, one, uh, oh, I would say you definitely have to update the app, and then once you hit the camera option, like to put in the photos, it, it's a, a video camera next to it, so it's right there. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, but um, gotcha. you know, I was, you know, when you look about the apps, I mean, think about the Instagram. 
uh, I think, like you said, the benefit is the larger network right now. Um, but by how if you think about it, though, now you have two things. So, I mean, if people are really trying to do videos, you got to sort through all the pictures to get to the videos. So I think with the Vine uh, being just that one thing, even though it is shorter, you know, being a speaker, you know, I, it's amazing how long people will, will talk and not realize how long they've actually been talking. So to have something constrained to six seconds, seven seconds, if you would, whatever it is, um, you know, to really say, listen, you got to get it in in this amount of time. Uh, then you know that's that's going to work for some people. I think that'll help, and like you said, so it's beneficial both. Uh, Vine definitely yeah. needs to get their um, uh, listenership up, their, their their viewership up, I guess though. So. Right, their viewership. Yeah, the, the really the really cool thing is that a lot of athletes are really starting to pick up on Vine, so it'll be interesting uh, to see if, if that you know that becomes kind of a, a niche that certain people use. But it, I mean, Vine is really cool, man. I, I think. I see a lot of the artistic uh, uses of it, and, and it could be kind of one of those things that's a little bit more see how artistic and creative you can get where Instagram is, you know, still kind of just capturing the moment and that type of thing. So, doing for both. Yeah, yep, good stuff, good stuff. So, man, we've got to, um, we want to jump into our, our, our the meat of the show tonight because we have so many things that um, happen in in the news this week. And uh, let me just go and say it again, 646-652-2647. Six four six six five two two six four seven is the number to call in, um, and because of so many things that were happening, I wanted to uh, reach out to one of my frat brothers, one of uh, and also a fellow Hamptonian. He is and, and kind of get some expert advice to kind of walk us through so many things that that we're going to talk about tonight with with the uh, court systems and some of the things that we've seen happening. So I want to bring to the show uh, from um, Ohio, Hamilton County Municipal Court Judge. Judge Fanon Rucker, welcome to the show. Hey, hey, good evening. Good evening, brother. How y'all doing tonight? Good, man. Doing great. I want to thank you. Thanks for you. having me. Oh, Absolutely. no, no, I appreciate the uh, the discussion. Um, it is certainly needed uh, around this time. Absolutely. So, you know, and uh, congratulations. I know it's been a, a minute now, but congratulations on getting that judge position. So you make uh, <laughs> Thanks a lot. I appreciate look good. It. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, um, but uh, what we want to do? I, I was okay. going to say the problem with us having judges that are that we went to school with is that we are constantly reminded at how, uh, about how old we are. <laughs> <laughs> well, hold on now. I'm a, there, 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 what's, what's good is that uh, there, there's a, a new generation of judges coming. Now, when I got there on the bench. I was the youngest judge in the state of Ohio, so I'm I'm still under the curve for for most judges, um, particularly at at the level that that we're sitting on. So, hey, thank you, thanks for that. Cool, good stuff. So, um, I'm I'm gonna call you judge out of respect. Normally, I'll call I'll call you Fanon at homecoming, but uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, we the first thing we want to talk about tonight is we're gonna jump into the uh, the Trayvon Martin trial. Um, kind of get some insight from us and then kind of you from, from your perspective. Um, it's, been, it's been a long time coming. Uh, you know, we, we familiar, most people are familiar with what happened in the media, you know, um, the story that's been put out there about uh, Trayvon and George Zimmerman um, and how long it took to get to this trial. Um, let me just ask you, Judge, were you able to watch any of the trial during the week? Or I'm assuming you're probably at work yourself, but um, were you able to follow uh, I, 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 the trial? I do tend to uh, uh, catch up with some of it uh, on my breaks. I have satellite radio, so I listen to the testimony. Um, so I've been able to catch some of it. I particularly caught some of the testimony of the uh, young lady who he was on the phone with um, at the time that he encountered uh, uh, Zimmerman. 
and um, and just some of the commentary that was given about her testimony and, and how um, uh, pure and sincere she appeared. She didn't seem like she had been prepped uh, in her testimony as, as sometimes we see in court. Um, she just seemed like she wasn't, as I think one of the commentators said, she, quote, wasn't on it. Uh, she was just talking in, in regular terms, in regular speak, about what was going on and she was on the phone. It wasn't chemical. I mean, it wasn't uh, clinical. It wasn't uh, uh, mechanical testimony. It was very uh, just straight-laced and I'm real and I'm, I'm just going to give it to you straight. All right. Good stuff. Now, let me ask you from, from your perspective as a judge um, and then maybe how you think juries normally would um, take things. Uh, you know, I, now I caught some flack from some people who on my opinion today about her tone. I, I saw some of her testimony today and it seemed like um, at points she was kind of frustrated on trial, and obviously if you're getting asked the same question three different ways, you know, back to back to back, it's easy to get frustrated. But it, I, I thought maybe some of the tones seemed like she was kind of, um, kind of being sarcastic with them, or maybe seemed like she was frustrated and irritated with being on the stand. Um, is it your experience that that plays any kind of role in how uh, the witnesses are looked at by a judge or a jury? Or is it pretty much whatever she says is most important versus rather than any kind of tone or, or how it's said? Well, um, you know, one of the most unpredictable, uh, unreadable um, mechanisms in the court is a jury. Um, before I was a judge, I was a, uh, uh, an, a litigation attorney. I did civil rights stuff. I did federal work. I did uh, civil work, criminal work. Um, tried about 50 jury trials um, before for going on the bench. And with the jury, the smallest thing um, kind of stimulates their sensitivities. And when you talk to them afterwards, they'll say, "Well, I didn't like the shirt that this person had on," or, or when the first when the person first uh, started talking, we were sold at that point, or we would turn it off at that point. It didn't matter anything else that happened throughout the trial. So it's very difficult to really know exactly what impact. Um, uh, of the, the character of someone's testimony is going to come across to those uh, six people. I think it's six people in this in, in Florida uh, sitting in that box. Uh, and here we know they're all women uh, in the jury, which is a very different uh, dynamic than than we see in most uh, highly publicized cases, and, and particularly here where that could play on either side. So it, it, how 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 can that play to the jury? You absolutely never know. Um, it could be very sincere and heartfelt to one juror or to two or three of them, and to another it can be the biggest turnoff in the world, and they can tune that person out and, and, and disregard everything else they say. It's, it's, it's no way to tell because they're just as sensitive as we know folks in everyday life, <laughs> um, and people go the range from how they're affected and how they view things. Uh, jurors are the same way because they're taken from a cross-section of the community. Now, as a judge, when I see that, um, you know, it, it depends on it depends on um, how that person uh, that person's position. Um, if, as here, she is, you know, I, I think that she was identified at one point as his girlfriend, but they were certainly friends. Um, there, there was some connection that she had to this incident because she was actually on the phone when it occurred. Um, and as a judge, you know, you kind of understand. Number one, what everyone's role is, and so you kind of appreciate if there are going to be frustrated responses. 
You understand that everyday folks don't sit in a jury box. You sit in a witness stand and testify, and so the the realness is going to come out in them. And so I, I can't speak for, for for all judges, obviously, but for this judge, um, something like that doesn't have as much of an impact, um, a negative impact on me as it may on others, because I kind of really understand the reality of where we are and why we're here and her position in having to testify. Right. And Judge, uh, you touched on the uh, on the composition of the jury, and we heard a lot about uh, this being an all female jury. And some people were saying, "Well, it's a mostly white female jury." And we we also had a, a, um, a one of our group members who's a, an attorney who basically said, "You know, race doesn't have much to do with outcomes in juries." And you know, some of us thought you know a lot differently. So, kind of in your in your experience. You know, in these kind of racially charged situations, you know, do you do you see race having um, more of an impact on jury decisions? And um, you know, as a do you see attorneys really trying to uh, consider race more uh, during the jury selection process? Well, um, to say that race doesn't have much of an impact, that is certainly one person's perspective. That's certainly not mine. Um, when I was a prosecutor, I was uh, given the uh, unique opportunity of being called to jury duty. Um, I actually called twice, once when I was a prosecutor and another time when I was a civil tr- uh, attorney. When I was a prosecutor, my experience was uh, I, I had the uh, uh, a conversation with a couple of jurors, with one particular juror who was a white woman who explained that uh, she got there and was talking to some other jurors. And, and to make it short, those jurors who had nothing, they, they didn't know her from anybody else, they felt comfortable enough telling her that when they got called to some jury room and they were called upon to decide upon a case, if the defendant was black, they were going to automatically vote to convict, no matter what the facts were. This is what some potential jurors were telling another potential juror who they didn't know in the jury room before they actually went down to a courtroom. When I got that that story, and, and she told me the longer version of it, and they told the judge, and these folks removed and they admitted what they said, but that changed the way that I tried cases from then from then on uh, as an attorney. And I brought race into it because I didn't know whether or not the folks sitting in that box had it on their minds. And at least here in Hamilton County, it was necessary for me to put it out there that, that folks had to put their biases aside. So I can't agree with, uh, you know, the, the commentator that made that, that statement because that wasn't my experience trying cases. And, and although we like to believe and, and apparently the Supreme Court believes that we now live in a colorblind society, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, It's just not the reality of it. And so, yeah, I think um, race here, and I think the judge even made a ruling early on that said you you can say profiling, but you can't say racial profiling. Um, And, you know, there have been been comments made that this is the the most racially charged uh, uh, public trial since O.J. Simpson. So does race play a role in this? How can it die? When we think back a year ago, we had all these public scenes of people marching and 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 the, and the conversations that we had, and the president commenting. And I mean, of course it does, and of course it would. Now, how does that play in with the jury? Um, I don't know. Um, I don't know enough about these individual jurors' backgrounds to be able to say whether they personally can put race aside and focus solely on whether or not there's a self-defense, a valid self-defense here. 
Um, but but in the in the big scheme of things, and certainly as 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 everyday citizens who are watching this trial occur, and watching this incident occur, race plays a role, of course. All right. Now, Judge, let me ask one more question on the, uh, on the Trayvon trial. We'll go on to the next thing. Um, you know, people are looking at, and as I'm following people's commentary about it, you know, it's like everything that um, the prosecution's putting out. You start hearing people say, "Oh, this is a slam dunk. Uh, Zimmerman's going down." Um, but all trials look like that when the prosecution is up first, and then you they get should. to the cross exam, and <laughs> right here you should, right, and then you get the cross exam, and all of a sudden it's like, well, wait a minute now, um, you know, is there anything that you can think of maybe that uh, if X Y Z happens could mess this thing up, and, and we could see uh, uh, Zimmerman walk? I think that you know we've been so desensitized uh, now in our community that you know we kind of we want to see justice prevail, but I think we're preparing for the worst. You know, and like you know, we don't want to get our hopes up too high. We know anything can happen, and somehow he can get off. Uh, you know, so is anything you're thinking? I guess from your experience, you can say, look, if this happens, this is going to be a sign that he might end up walking free. Well, that's very difficult. I mean, you know, you never know how any particular witness is going to testify. You never know um, who's going to change their story. You never know. Um, that, that's 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 impossible to quantify. What what could happen in order to um, uh, receive a particular outcome. I mean, I, I, I would venture to guess that you know um, that our, that our country was was pretty split on the uh, well. Actually, the majority of folks probably thought Casey Anthony was going to be found guilty. Uh, of course, the young lady whose whose uh, child went missing, and there was all these uh, phone calls she made from jail, and, and they found some traces of something in her trunk. And after watching the trial and hearing the evidence, I think most people who weren't on the jury were convinced he was going to be found guilty. Um, so, you know, to, to sit and say, well, um, it's a slam dunk. Every time, I mean, you know, the, the way that our legal system works, the state goes first, the defense goes next, and then the state has the opportunity to, to, to kind of clean up what the defense has, has, uh, has poked holes in. But at the conclusion of every uh, state's case or at the, at the conclusion of the state presenting its evidence, they sure better look like they have a slam dunk. I mean, otherwise, there's a question whether their case should have been brought in the first place. But then that's when the defense gets its opportunity to, to present the other side. And cross-examination is a window to what the defense will be arguing or the position that they're going to be putting forth um, before they actually get the chance to put their own witnesses on. And, of course, you know, this has been played enough, I think, in the in the, in the the public that we kind of get an idea of what the – Defense will be here, and um, I, well, and I, as a judge, I, I got to be careful about how I comment on cases, pending cases, and things like that. But I, I have to say that probably um, one of the most important uh, things to watch in this trial will be um, the testimony about the the tape, the 911 tape, and who was screaming. I mean, that, you know, that's going to go down in history as the biggest question in this case. Who was screaming in the background? Whose voice was that that we heard saying, help, help? Of course, Trayvon Martin's family says, that even though his father first said it, it wasn't him, now he says, yes, that's him. His mother says that was him. His uh, uh, Zimmerman's parents, who know him well, say, oh, no, it was him. You had experts on each side, you know, who both said, oh, yeah, it was our guy, it was our guy. The judge said, you know what, no experts. It's going to be up to the jury to decide who they think. That was their voice. Now, what was interesting, the young lady got on the stand and testified 
that she was on the phone with him. Right. And she knows for sure that was him. Now, she has, of all the witnesses, the greatest personal connection to this other than Zimmerman because she was right there as these things were happening. And right. so if the jury finds her to be credible, her saying that that was Trayvon Martin's, well, I was on the, I know that was him because I heard him on the phone while he was, while he was screaming help. That could have an incredible impact on the outcome of this case. Right. Well, we're going to see. We're going to see. Uh, week one is almost up. We're going to uh, continue to follow it and uh, see what happens. Before we go into the next segment, we do have a uh, a call coming in. So a young man wants to say hello to you. Uh, Peter, welcome to the show. Hey, guys, how's it going? Hey, Fernand, this is uh, Peter Boykin from Detroit. We met back in uh, 2005 at the Midwest Regional for Hampton Alumni in Cincinnati. Absolutely. How you doing? Good to hear from you. Oh, man, I'm doing great. It's good to hear your voice. I'm glad to hear you're doing well down there in Cincinnati. I think uh, when I met you back in 05, you were uh, campaigning, if I'm not mistaken. That is correct. I had uh, run for county prosecutor the year before, and I was on my way to judge at that time. That's great, man. I'm really glad that everything is uh, working out for you uh, down there. Thank you. All right. That was it, Peter. All right. Great. Thanks for calling in, Pete. Oh, no problem, guys. Take care. All right. All right. Peter just wanted to say hello. Uh, That's what's up. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to switch gears, though. Um, We're going to go to some of the Supreme Court decisions now. Um, and I and I'm yield to Brian because Brian, I want you to kind of set up each one of these. Let's start with the affirmative action uh, decision. So Brian, kind of set up for for the listeners uh, what happened, what the decision was, and what it kind of all means, and then we'll go into uh, some questions for Judge Rucker. Yeah. So basically, in the affirmative action uh, situation, just like many affirmative action challenges, uh, there was one young lady from the University of Texas who had um, who basically. Uh, applied for admission and was denied admission. Once she was denied admission, she uh, she said that the um, she said the uh, race-based admissions policies denied her uh, admission, and you know she took this to the Supreme Court, basically saying that the, that the school should not have let uh, you know students of color in and not let her in because they basically took her spot. So this thing went all the way to the Supreme Court, and from what I understand. Um, the Supreme Court basically said that the that the university had to review its policy, its admissions policy. So it wasn't like they like they said that that they couldn't. I mean, I, I guess they said that they couldn't uh, practice uh, a um, factor race into their admissions policy, but didn't necessarily deem that 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 had, had caused her not to be admitted. So uh, so again, you know, this is another case of. A, a majority person that feels like, you know, out of all the spots that were taken uh, that denied them uh, admission that some poor person of color took that spot through these, through these affirmative action policies. So that's what I understand about it. it maybe you could shed some light. Yeah, all right. And, and out, of, out of the three, that was the one that I knew the least amount about as far as what um, was going on. So I'll you I'll, uh, Judge Rucker, what um, – from this affirmative action case, I mean, what was what 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 does it mean now that it's been decided uh, for those who are looking to apply for school? Well, um, this um, this case is the uh, the next uh, step 
from um, a several line of cases that really started, um, well, didn't start, but but really were accentuated with regard to admissions and and whether race can be used or to what extent race can be used as a factor in admissions, um, starting from University of Michigan. Uh, well, you know, back in 1973, I think there was a case called Backey, and that was where uh, the first case that we know well where um, a majority person, uh, a white man, sued the University of California, essentially stating reverse discrimination. Um, and and essentially this court in its more liberal era said, hey, we, we understand what you're saying. However, um, diversity is a, a, a desired goal um, of our country. Therefore, we do know that discrimination has been practiced, so it's all right. I mean, not it's okay, but as long as, you know, this is one of several factors, then it's okay to do that. In Michigan, it was revisited. Uh, University of Michigan cases, this is a 1998, uh, Gratz versus Bollinger and Grutter versus Bollinger out of the Sixth Circuit, which is down here in Ohio and Kentucky and uh, Michigan. And it went to the Supreme Court, and it was the same type of issue. Uh, white students um, said, one at the law school, one at the undergrad, hey, they're using race as a factor. It's too much. You know, how do you quantify this? And they, and they, and they essentially said, look, Race can still be used. However, you can't set it strictly at quotas. You can't say 20%. You can't say 10% because that's an artificial uh, place of achievement. Plus that, um, the court at that time started to ask the question, well, wait a minute. Number one, what's our end goal? How do we know when we've achieved diversity? And second of all, is race the good determinant of diversity? What about economic background? What about you know went to these other things? Although they ultimately ruled in favor of the of the process and said you can use race, but be careful. In 2008, the United States Supreme Court in a, in a plurality decision and and just real real quick, decisions from the Supreme Court come in several different forms. You have a unanimous decision where all nine justices agree. You have majority decisions where five of the nine agree on the conclusion and on the the reasoning. Then you have something called a plurality decision. A plurality is where at least five agree on the outcome, but no five can agree on how you get there. Everybody kind of has their own logic, but they all come to the, to the right conclusion or the same conclusion. In 2007, 2008, there was a case out of, uh, uh, it was a reverse discrimination um, case saying that all of those efforts that we did for busing and all of those um, um, rules that were put in place after Brown versus Board of Education, we don't need them anymore. They're, they're unconstitutional. They're, they're wrong for this country. It's, we don't need them, and, and we just don't live in that kind of society. In a plurality decision, I think that was one of Robert's first cases, they said, essentially, we now live in a colorblind society. So, yeah, we agree. It's time to stop audit bus and stuff. It's time to stop this. We are now at a level playing field. That was five years ago when they when they made that decision. Five five six years ago. And here now is the is the steps <laughs> um, leading to whatever place they 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 think that we are or that we're going. Today they said or yesterday they said, yeah, we we, we we've gotten to that place. Race, you all send us back to see if you can look at something else. See, if, if if you don't have anything else to look at, then fine, you can look at race at that point. But that has to be the last thing you look at. And and it and it presupposes this argument that, that Justice Roberts has made before, 
and that is essentially we are now at a level playing field. We, we as, as black folks, we as white folks, we as Hispanic Americans, we all are at the same starting place. Therefore, all of those efforts that, that, that were necessary back when, and it's consistent with the voting rights case and how they ruled on that one, we don't need them anymore. And, in fact, those efforts were nice for then, but, but it's time to toss those out. And that's why you got such a, a you know, a split uh, a decision of the court because this, that's as split as this country is. It's a five-to-four decision, which also accentuates how, how important it is for people to vote and to know the direction of those who they're voting in administrative offices because they select the justices who make these decisions. Of course, we know that it was, a, it was the four conservative justices versus the four liberal justices, and I'll put all that in quotes, and then Kennedy, who sometimes goes one way and sometimes goes the other. He went to the 5-4 majority on this one. Now, I want to, because you started going this out, now I want to just transition right into the Voting Right uh, Act provision uh, that was struck down, and, and kind of let's go into that, because you know, we had a big discussion about this in our, our Facebook group as well, uh, because, you know, the provision that was broken down, uh, that was, that was uh, um, uh, struck down, I should say, was was dealing with uh, the the provisions that were put on certain southern states, and I guess now saying that there there was no need for them to have to come and get federal approval to change um, their voting laws. Uh, two hours after that, you get the state of Texas trying to you know, push through <laughs> their uh, 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 new redistricting that was shot oh, down yeah. by the attorney general uh, beforehand. So you. So and in this day and age, you know, like you talked about the the perception of what they want to say is a colorblind society now. But when you have so many things that are blatantly not just about people of, against people of color, but you know, like you said, financial status as well. When you can have these, um, I'll use our R&B word of the day, gerrymandering. Shout out to Chris Moore <laughs> of, of of districting, where you have people who can you know, so intricately draw a district to make sure that uh, they're going to be put in place. Um, whereas now it's like, you know, people say, well, it's on Congress to to re to re to uh, reinstate the, the Voting Act or fix what's in it so that it can be put back in place. However, when you have people whose um, voting rights are being challenged or making it more difficult for them to go to vote, then when you have districts being drawn up where it doesn't matter who goes and votes, uh, certain people are going to win anyway. Uh, I think it was Brian who even said it earlier today. Um, we talked about how how low the um, approval levels are for Congress, yet these same people are getting voted in. Uh, you know, part of that is because these people who are winning aren't representing the people, but they're representing districts that they've carved out for themselves. So, I mean, just talk to us about the, the overall implications of the voting right um, uh, provision that was struck down. I mean, yeah, Clarence Thomas who even said it didn't go far enough and that the uh, – <laughs> provision four should have been taken out as well. Uh, the whole thing should just been done done away with. Uh, talk to us about that. Um, you know, you know, Ohio is, is a is a huge state. We talking about presidential elections as well. So. I mean, ha- Hamilton County, they said decided the presidential election. That's down here in Cincinnati. Wow. Um, wow. And you know, if it, it was the same in, in 08, but Ohio, of course, um, uh, went for the president uh, both times. But there were so many efforts. Uh, which, of course, they were in other states, to um, uh, t- to keep certain groups from from appearing at the polls in, in, in significant numbers. Um, 
it was it was efforts. But, but see, that's and and I haven't yet decided. I mean, I know politically, uh, and I know from a um, from a from a historical standpoint um, how I feel. But I don't know personally how I feel yet about this decision. Um, from a historical standpoint, um, the the uh, speech that was given that caused the Voting Rights Act to be passed was, in my opinion, one of the greatest speeches that has ever been given by any American um, uh, president. It was called We Shall Overcome, and it was given by Lyndon B. Johnson, um, Southern, Southern from Texas. Uh, you know, he, he got in because, of course, um, uh, his, his president um, was, was assassinated, and he uh, was was in direct line with with what was going on with Martin Luther King, and 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 he got on the on the floor of the Senate, and in the face of those who were members of his party who were definitely opposed to it, um, he made the most courageous, in my opinion, the most courageous speech that a president could ever make. I don't think anyone has ever since, and I don't think anybody uh, ever would again put their total political capital. Uh, and personal position on the line in that way, um, and, and he was successful in doing it uh, in getting that 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 law passed. But it took such an impassioned plea, discussing you know th- this idea of from the president that all these folks just want the right to vote, and then we know that there are people who are turning water hoses and 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 dogs loose on them to keep them from doing that. Um, so I was on the heartstrings enough, and then it, obviously it didn't pass unanimously. But that was the that was the history of this of this law being passed. And so, sure, I agree with the with the statement that we don't live in the same times in 2013 as we did in 1965. We had in that in our country during that time, we were at the place of a second civil war, a hundred years after the original one. Um, in so many of our major cities, um, we know that from the employment standpoint, we know that the the, the 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 segregation in our schools that was by force, not by nature, <laughs> like we have now. But we we live in a very tense, segregated, uh, potential civil war society at that time. No, we don't live in that anymore. Now there are efforts to subvert the vote and to keep people from going to the polls and to deny educational opportunities along economic lines. We know that the the, the uh, economic gaps between the classes are widening. Um, there are uh, um, civilian status uh, that we look at. We know along religious lines, the hostility to certain religious groups. And so race is not as visible of the demarcation line as it was 50 years ago. Right. So, hey, so Josh, historically, Josh, I'm sorry. Just real, yep. real fast, if, if I can jump in, because another another uh, piece of I think it was the the provision four in in the Voting Rights Act, um, where where they did have this list of states. If I if I understand correctly, there there was a process that a state could go through uh, to basically get taken off of that list as well. Meaning that you know if they demonstrated that they hadn't you know, try to, to uh, gerrymander in certain ways or or, or understaff, uh, you know, voting, uh, polling places in minority-dominated uh, areas while, 
you know, the the majority dominated areas weren't, you know, uh, were overstaffed and those types of things that they that they actually could get off of of this list. And, and my, I, I do agree with you that a lot has changed, but you know, we we a, a um, the case can be made that that new tactics have been tried, and you know, this this provision actually um, allowed for the uh, you know for for those states to prove that they that they weren't doing these types of things. So so my question is, you know, to the Supreme Court, you know, why why that piece didn't you know didn't hold any weight? If that's even if if I'm even interpreting that correctly. So maybe you can provide some clarity around that. Well, um, and, and I I haven't lived the the decision, so I don't know if they answer that question. But just looking at it um, from 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 the from the uh, cliff of the discussion that that we were just having a second ago that we live in different times. If if you if you in, in 1965, if you looked at a map of where people were um, in our major cities, just look at Chicago for example. Um, and I think at the time they said Chicago was the most segregated city in the country. Um, and then you go down south, and you looked at the the pockets of communities in the south. If you go down there now there are going to be black folks sprinkled in. It may not still be, you know, 20 or 30% of the population of places, but in some of the more upper class um, and some of the more um, um, astute areas in the suburbs where there were previously no African Americans that can be found, in the corporations where there were none that could be previously be found, particularly administrative positions, now you have them in vice president positions. You do have African-American judges on the bench. You do have uh, at least, you know, 10 or 15% of blacks in particular suburbs. I mean, so that if there's gerrymandering that goes on, it's harder to distinguish or to completely cut out the blacks that are in those areas than it was back then. And and that's that's what you look at. That's how, you know, the unsophisticated eye looks at it. Well, we're all mixed in, so there's no discrimination more. Oh, we got a black president. Yeah, there's no discrimination more. That's an unsophisticated eye. And unfortunately, the court has been looking at this discrimination thing, this diversity thing, with somewhat of an unsophisticated eye for about the past seven years. And and, and so it's easy then when you look at it that way to say, it's okay to remove these because if you look now in Alabama, I mean, they've had a, a black lieutenant governor. Well, I, mean, I don't know if it's Alabama, but, I mean, you know, my point is we've had blacks in in mobile places. So, obviously, obviously, they, 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 they've torn down the walls of segregation and, and all of these, these preconceived notions that they are absolutely dead wrong and their names are on this list and they have to get preclearance, well, that's not needed anymore. And I think that's how the Supreme Court would answer it, is saying just look at the, the raw numbers. Mm. Yeah, that, that, it, that, that, that's an interesting perspective. Yeah. That's definitely an interesting perspective when you put it like that. Well, and, and let me ask you, Judge, um, because I'm, I'm thinking wasn't it just Mississippi just last year that finally ratified, um, well, signed off on, on agreeing to the amendment to let blacks vote for the, the constitutional amendment to let blacks vote. I think that was just last year when that happened. So it's just crazy. Even though the constitution had said it um, uh, 130 years before. Yeah. Right. So so that's kind of, 
you know, I'm asking, like, from, from the Supreme Court perspective, I know in, in a traditional trial, you can only judge on the evidence that's, that's presented by the attorneys. Uh, in a Supreme Court situation, uh, is, is it the same thing? They can only use whatever, you know, the person bringing the, the cases as evidence? Is that stuff not been brought up? I mean, were these things not brought up to the Supreme Court? Like, look at these um, different ways that this is happening now. I mean, they, they see the news. They know what's going on. Uh, were they not allowed to consider these things because it wasn't presented, or they just saw it and still ignored it? Well, they are not only allowed to receive evidence that the uh, parties put in and and to answer the question that the Supreme Court justice asked, but the justices themselves are allowed to contact statisticians and, and, and other folks who are interested and oh, get wow. their perspective, as well as uh, I'm Red Thurgood Marshall's uh, uh, biography written by Juan Williams, and he talked about the uh, kind of internal workings of the Supreme Court and how judges would go to the other ones and sit down and advocate um, kind of, you know, hey, let's let's go to dinner and talk about this case and, and, and kind of advocate for their position and, and kind of uh, give the reasons why uh, their position should be supported off the record. Um, <laughs> so if, if they're given that opportunity um, to present evidence and receive evidence, then then sure, you you would think that uh, some of that information that we know um, uh, would be presented. But we also have to uh, expect and understand that in as much as there's information uh, that, that we accept statistically that, that supports our position, that there's going to be information and statistics. I mean, statistics can be viewed in, in any way someone wants to argue to support the uh, the opposing side as well. Wow, that's that's even more mind-boggling now. But uh... I I mean, you know, with with the significance of the cases that have come down in the past two days, and of course we haven't even talked about the uh, the ones that came down today, but with the significance of the cases that have come down this week, um, for the next I don't know two or three generations, the week of June twenty-fourth will be in my opinion, one of the single most impactful weeks for jurisprudence um, for 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 at least the next two generations, just because of the significance and the far-reaching effects um, of the of the cases that have been decided um, over these these past couple of days. So Man, you are not about, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm sitting like when you think about. In history class, just real quick, when you think about in history class, when we learned about um, American history and, and civics and all the the case, you know, the cases we had to learn about as students, and now to think that we're living through some cases that students will have to learn about, you know, like you said, in, in the next two or three generations, man, it's just it's amazing uh, that we're right here in the middle of that right now. So, go ahead, Brian. Man, I was. I was just wondering if, like, uh, like Justice uh, Scalia or somebody was uh, had terminal cancer or something and was trying to get a lot of stuff pushed through. Man, it, I mean, honestly, I, all jokes aside, man, it seemed like you know when somebody when somebody has you know some issue where they feel like they're not going to live long enough, they start making all these decisions so quickly. I mean, we've been it seemed like they've been chilling for the last ten years or so for them to just you know jump like like you know defensive marriage act all this kind of stuff. People have tried that before, and uh, so I don't know. It, it just it seems very rushed. And then you know me being the, the politicals I tend to be, I think that uh, that the defensive marriage act and the um, 
and the Voting Rights Act decisions being made in the same um, in the same week are going to raise some eyebrows politically about uh, you know how, how people feel um, or, or why those things happen in in such quick succession. So we'll see what happens in, in the in the coming weeks and months. Well, well and what I'm saying, per- you know, it's trying to figure out how personally I feel about it. I mean, you know, I I'm not I don't know that I'm offended because um, what I would hope is that this will, and I know it's probably optimistic and Pollyannish and everything else, what I would hope is that people are watching this, people are looking at this, and they're saying, you know what, if this is not going to be a motivator for me to make sure that I'm informed, that I'm participating, and that I go out there and recruit other folks to make sure that they participate in the voting process, then this is going to be lost on me. See, you know, we had to have the Voting Rights Act 50 years ago because they were stopping folks at the polling location saying, how many marbles are in this glass jar? Or mm-hmm. if you didn't, if your grandfather didn't, couldn't read and write or couldn't vote, then you don't have the right to. Well, in 2013, we have to be honest. The 13th Amendment has been passed. There's enough, there are enough educated, active, even currently elected officials who should be doing their jobs of representing folks and making sure they are informed so that no election passes by without us understanding the issues and standing by no matter what subversive measures some political party tries to take to keep people from coming out. I, now, that I may agree. be overly optimistic, and, but... I, yeah, <laughs> I, I think I, I agree, but it's like, when is it going to happen? When when are people going to wake up? We we If you look at just the last presidential election alone and saw how close that was, and this is like... What are people looking at? You know, um, you know, in, in the midterm elections, it just, um, you know, and people can vote for whatever they vote for, like if you believe it, but don't vote for something just because you, you know, you believe some some rhetoric on either side, um, yeah. that you haven't investigated on for yourself. So I'll, we, in a few minutes left uh, that we had left, I do want to you know jump into the Doma uh, decision as well because, and, and I commented, um, you know, put it out there in our group, Brian. Uh, just you talked about both of them coming down. Uh, the same week, and uh, it, it, it was kind of. I think we're behind the same place with that. It's kind of like if these these were all considered civil rights issues. So on one hand, you had um, one group that you know, in a certain way, civil rights were taken away from the Voting Rights um, <laughs> Act. You know, possibly I'll say possibly taken away. You know, they were. You know, we don't know ultimately what's going to happen. Um, but then on the other hand, you had uh, another group who got you know more civil rights given to them. Uh, so it's kind of like a okay, well, good for y'all, but dang, what happened to us? <laughs> you know, kind of situation uh, to some people. Uh, so, uh, uh, Judge, talk to us about the Defense of Marriage Act. Um, you know, wh- wh- how you see uh, that? Ha- First of all, is is Ohio? Do they recognize gay marriage in the state of Ohio? We do not. We do not. Okay, what about Michigan, uh, Brian? Do y'all do it in Michigan? Uh, you know, what? I'm not sure. I haven't. I haven't had a reasonable look, to be honest. But yeah, no, I, I know it. Yeah, I know it just passed in Maryland um, in November. Uh, so I think there are um, twelve states. Maybe they said. Mm-hmm. Right, that's yeah, what I said. I don't twelve know. and DC. Yeah, twelve and DC. So, okay. So, so right now, I mean, you know, they're saying that any state that already um, supports gay marriage, uh, the federal government has to recognize uh, the, the, that gay marriage uh, for the, all the benefits that will come from the federal government. Um, so um, it doesn't change anything with any other state right now. It doesn't force other states to recognize it. However, 
um, you know, this is always, you know, it's an open door now uh, for that to happen. So, um, Judge, you know, in, in your perspective uh, with this, talk about the, the gravity of how big this decision really is and then maybe some some um, ramifications you can see coming down the pipe from it. Well, um, this is, uh, you know, we hear and we remember from, from a history class talking about states' rights versus federal rights. Um, and what we're talking about here, um, and, and it's been a complete reversal with the political parties, um, now we have uh, the Republicans arguing and receiving this, this huge argument of, of states' rights that trump federal rights. And essentially, um, the, uh, the California case was sent back. California said, hey, if that's what y'all folks vote for, we don't have anything to do with that. Um, we're going to give that power to the state. But at least with the federal government, no, we're not going to recognize the barriers um, to recognizing that union. Um, the long-term ramifications, well, um, I think it's, it's at least in, in my eyes, it's a commentary on, on the next, on the next ad- agenda um, in civil rights. The previous agenda, of course, was race. The next agenda after that, um, has been and, and will continue to kind of mold all those people trying to get away from this immigration and and um, and for and, and foreign-born status, but gay rights and whether or not that uh, it's, it's recognized, those are constitutionally recognized rights. Um, you know, to, to to be engaged in the same-sex relationship and to receive the same benefits um, that that non-same-sex couples uh, receive. So long-term, I think what we've seen is the beginning of the definition and what's going to be a, a, a pretty public and ruckus battle, in my opinion, um, and a continued uh, lining up or arguing or advocacy of saying that, hey, this is the same. Blacks wanted the right to vote. Blacks wanted equal rights. We're in the same position now. As 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 blacks were because and you know we hear that a lot um, um, uh, the gay pride movement um, saying we're just the same as as in the 60s and, and with African Americans looking for those, those equal rights and you're going to hear more of that and probably taking on some of the same tactics that blacks used in the 60s to gain those rights and long term I think that um, there's going to be few states um, that are going to uh, deny um, same-sex rights marriages or uh, uh, benefits. I, I, I don't think that there's going to be many. Um, there may be some in the South who just fold their arms and say, no, 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 we have the right to deny this, we're going to. But I think for the most part, in the next five years, uh, you're going to see all states or most states adopting the same position. Let me go through the lines. I think we have a caller has a question. If you're calling from 248 area code, do you have a question or a comment? Yeah. All right, great. Okay, go ahead. What's your name? This is Will calling. Hey, Will. Welcome to the show. you have a question or a comment? I have to say it was a brilliant having uh, your special guest comment. I've enjoyed listening to the comment. And to answer the question, Brian, Michigan has a ban on gay marriage. All right, great. So we don't recognize gay marriage here in the good old state of Michigan. <laughs> All right. Well, cool. Does, does he right. see that changing soon <laughs> with, this, that? with this case? Does he see that changing soon with this case? Yeah. What, what, what do you think, Will? Do you think that uh, that's going to be something that's going to be changing real soon in Michigan? No. 
Winston, if Governor Snyder gets reelected, the answer will be heck no. Right. Yeah, the, the uh, Michigan has a, a, a Republican legislature uh, in the Senate and in the House, and Republican governor. So if it, if if things hold true politically, it, it probably won't happen anytime soon. I, I agree with Will on that. All right. Cool. Thanks for calling in, Will. No problem. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Well, man, we are all out of time. We didn't even get to talk about Paula Dean, but uh, oh my God, there, there, there will be plenty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure. We'll, be I'm sure. Now next week. Right, it'll still all be of this is just the beginning of the summer. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I say what, man, Judge Rucker. I definitely appreciate it. this. Has been an awesome show, awesome information. Thanks for uh, agreeing to it on such short notice. Uh, but definitely appreciate you for coming on to the show. No, thanks. Thank you very much for inviting me. I appreciate uh, taking taking uh, having this opportunity to, to to talk to the to the listeners and and uh, spit about this this stuff that's going on in our world that affects all of us, even though we don't realize sometimes that it does at the time that it does. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks a lot, Judge. We appreciate it. No problem. Right. Uh, peace to you, guys. All right. Peace. All right, Brian. You know what to do. Tell them how they can reach us throughout the week www.rybrideshow.com or on Twitter at Twitter slash Show. We are on Facebook, facebook.com slash Show. Uh, we have a blog site, rybrideexchange.com. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next week. Peace. Now gotta huff and buff and blow the walls right now. Don't aim for the plot, aim for the stars. Neptune, Saturn, Uranus, and Mars. So even if you fall, you can land in the cloud. Better aim for a mansion and land in a house.